Sutherland and Sybil Griffin here to minister the Word of God to us. It was through their oversight and encouragement that this congregation began over 21 years ago. Can you believe it? Towards the end of 1990. This blessed couple pastored Shady Grove Church DFW since the early 70s, where they saw consistent growth and fruitfulness in worship, discipleship, and world missions. Recently, they turned the leadership of that great congregation over to Pastor John and Lorinda Dunn so that they could devote themselves to the apostolic leadership network that they have developed over the years. Called Antioch Oasis International, or known as the AOI, is a network made up of dozens of pastors and churches in Texas, Colorado, Illinois, and elsewhere around the country, touching the nations of the world of which we are privileged to be a part. The Griffins now travel to minister effectively throughout AOI and around the world by preaching, teaching, training, and mentoring leaders. Their desire is to seek the kingdom of God advance and every church reach their potential for the glory of God. Let's get our hearts ready to hear from heaven as Pastor Olin, my pastor, comes to bring us the word of God. grateful to be here. Now, I want you to know something from the very bottom of my heart, that um, we travel a lot of places, and um, we are in, in churches that don't have the same spirit you have. They don't have it. There's something that I've noticed about churches that sing, the people who sing. It's not just something you go through, but something you're involved in. I appreciate the leadership of the worship team up here involving you and encouraging you to sing. Because in my estimation that whenever the people of God have come together through the centuries, all the way back in the Old Testament and all, that they came back like a choir. They came together, I mean, like a choir under the Lord. And every everyone sang, whether they thought they had a good voice or not, but they had the joy of the Lord. And when the joy of the Lord is in you, it just wants to come out and singing. And, and whenever you get around a congregation, all of them sing like you do. I'm, I'm sure there may be one or two that this morning had a sore throat or something like that and couldn't do it, but may you be healed in the name of Jesus so that everyone can sing. But you come and you put your heart upon the Lord and you sing to Him and release your spirit to Him and things just begin to happen. People get changed. If I were to ask for hands to be raised right now, how many of you got touched during the worship? There would be several hands go up right now. How many? Let's see. Look here, you got touched during the worship. You know, you have an encounter, some level of encounter with the Lord. And you see, this is the manifest presence of God. This is what God wants to do. God wants to show himself and reveal himself, not just during the week and in our personal lives and when we're in in a relationship with other people, but when we come to church and when we go to meetings, when we're in a home group, whatever meetings we have, it is that the presence of the Lord is there. And it seems to be, it looks like and it's scriptural that when the people of the Lord come together with a heart to praise him, to magnify his name, guess what? It happens. And he manifests his presence. Psalm 22 says that God inhabits the praises of his people Israel. That means the the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he inhabits our praises. That means he calls home and his home address the praises of God. One, One version says that we, he is enthroned, enthroned. What, what do you do from a throne? You rule. He's enthroned upon the praises of his people. 
And so I just want you to know I appreciate you doing it. I appreciate your heart. I was just reading this morning in in, uh, one of the Psalms that uh, David was uh, under pressure and he had been somewhat accosted by a, a, a foreign king. He had run there to escape and he was somewhat in prison and he didn't know what to do and this whole psalm was about that and the very last thing was David said, oh, I remember my vow to give thanksgiving unto you and to give praises to you and I will praise you no matter what situation I am in. And that was David's life. He always got in trouble. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He worshiped God. Jonah even, when he was in the a uh, well of a belly when he was in the <laughs> when, he, when he was in the in the whale's belly uh, you remember he after 3 days he finally cried out to God and he said God I remember the vow I made to praise you back in Jerusalem and when he began to praise the Lord the whale vomited uh, that's not a good word I don't like yuck vomited him out upon the upon the land where he was going. So um, just remember, in every situation, praise the Lord. I want to welcome and uh, honor uh, the original home group. So what we call the original home group from Shady Grove Church. That was back in about 1976. And um, they're here, uh, with with the exception of uh, one who has preceded us to uh, glory and uh, to heaven. But... This, this is the home group, including Ken and Barbara Smith. I want the rest of you to stand up. Would you please do that and let us introduce you and, and my wife, Sybil, you were part of it as well. And this is uh, our, our original home group, uh, Minus One. And so I want you to welcome them. You to do that. Oh, we, 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 believe, we believe in relationships and, uh, and keeping them and through through all situations. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? That, isn't that what church is about? It is, it's about him and it's about others, right? Is that, can you say that? It's about him and it's about others, right? It's about him and about others. One more time. About him and others. All right. You got it? Okay, I want you to turn with me to, uh, uh, or, or on, on the screen overhead, to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And I'm just wanting to address this uh, just for a moment. Because what I want to talk about is uh, what if what I'm going through now releases me into something I would have never dreamed of? What if... What I'm going through now releases me into something of God that I'd never thought of or dreamed of? What if? Jeremiah says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, give you a future and a hope. What if there's a future in front of you that you can't see, no matter what it is you're going through, good or bad, positive or negative, what if? Wow. Because you see, he said, I want to give you, I'm giving you a future and a hope without a vision, without a Somewhere to go that you see where you're going. Without that, there's no hope. Without hope, there is no faith. Because that's what faith is built of, is hope. So whenever we look at this, we've got to say, hey, I've got to come to the place where I put everything behind me, 
that this is a new day and today is the day of salvation and I'm going to quit holding on to the past and holding on to what happened yesterday and holding on to what happened uh, a year ago or five years ago or 20 years ago. I'm going to quit holding on to it and I'm going to turn my face toward the future because God has a bright future for me no matter where I am right now. And again, the scripture says for the day, this day is the day of salvation. And whenever we try to move forward, it, and, and we keep being hitched to the past, hooked to the past, tied to the past, glued to the past, whatever you want to call it, and we keep trying to do that, what we're doing is we're trying to drive a car forward like looking through the rearview mirror. You ever tried to do that? doesn't work very well. Just watch your rearview mirror and try to drive down the street. It doesn't work because you've got to be looking forward to be able to move in, in, a, in a significant way in your life for the purposes of God. So I just wanted to introduce it with that. Then we're going to turn to Mark chapter 5. And in just a few moments, I'm going to read through uh, 20 verses. So you hang in with me and uh, we, will, uh, we will do this again. I want you to turn to someone right now and, and say, um, I am a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Come on, now look. Look, if you don't set someone beside you, say it to yourself and say it to the Lord. Say this, I am a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things have passed away. And all things have become new. Now here, here is in verse 5. Uh, chapter 5, Mark, verse 1. And just uh, watch with me as we read through it. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Well, that is tough, isn't it? What a guy. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He cried out with a loud voice, and he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? Or of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. You know, a legion is anywhere from three to 6,000. And that's a, that's a bunch that's in him. Also, he begged him earnestly, that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine were feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him and saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. At once Jesus gave them permission at that very moment. Then an unclean spirit, the unclean spirits, went out and entered the swine. I want you to notice something. Jesus gave them permission. They were... They were wanting to get away from him. Those demons didn't want to stay around the presence of God, not Jesus Christ, manifest God on from the earth, God himself. 
manifested. And they didn't want to hang around him. So it said, they, they said, send us some swine. At once he gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told it to the city and in the country. And they went out to see what, what, what had happened. And then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demonized, demon-possessed, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed about and, and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might go with him. However, Jesus did not permit him but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion upon you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. That's the demon-possessed man. Departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now, uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a pretty bad thing with this guy, Right? He, he's not in too good a shape. He's uh, going around the cemetery all day long. He's crying out. He's moaning. He's yelling. He's screaming. There is not any way they can conquer him. I don't know how in the world they got the chains on him. Maybe he even would sort of give up for, for a time and say, yeah, I, I don't want to harm anyone. And he would allow himself to be chained and shackled. But, but then this, these demons would take hold of him and he would break the chains and it break the shackles from his feet. I mean, this was a this was a wild man, and and he had not been that way before. He was from Gadara. Gadara was a city on the other side of the Jordan, opposite from Israel, and on the other side of the Jordan. Gadara had a small Jewish community there. Gadara was a place where they had hot springs where where Jews from the Galilee area particularly would go over and go for medicinal washing and and staying in the hot spring it was interesting in Gadara they had both hot springs and cold springs and they had small pools of cold springs big pools of hot springs that get in the hot springs that get out and that cool off just like we do in some of the spas today hot and cold pools you climb into that's what they had over there and so Jews would also go to Gadara this this fellow here was from there but had obviously at some point in his life he may have been what we would call normal, but then he, he, something changed in his life. And all of a sudden, here he is, he's having a really bad day. Because I can imagine what the kids in the neighborhood would think. And this, and this cemetery wasn't that close to Gadara. In fact, the cemetery was in the Gadara region. And the Gadara, and, and the, the Gadara was farther away. But there was a cemetery. And the, by the way, having studied this, they, they have found burial spots there where Jews were buried in that particular area along with Gentiles across on the east side. Not in the same cemetery, but in separate cemeteries. They have uncovered both. So we know that there was some activity there, but he had been like banished to the cemetery. And I've imagined the kids in the neighborhood or wherever they lived around there said, don't go around that place. Any of you ever been to a, a, a Halloween house at or, or 
No, no, better than that. We had one, we had one in Abilene that was a big house and dark and it was always mysterious and had trees around it and it almost all covered up and we called it the haunted house 365 days a year. But on Halloween, on ha- and there was someone in there that was funny. I mean, you know, funny, funny. I don't know what, uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they strange and you, you had, you had the idea that this, this person was not altogether mentally that lived there. And so we would, we would try to play jokes on it from time to time and, and leave something on the porch or knock and run off and just the hair would stand up on our arms. With that. And don't get around there. And on Halloween night, we didn't get within uh, five blocks of that place because we thought there is some mad person in there, something really bad. This is, what, that, this is how it's like. The guy went around moaning. And cutting himself with rocks, and he was just wild. He was having a bad day. <laughs> Have any of you had bad days? Maybe not like that and that bad, but bad days. I remember in my life here. It's been several years ago. I had, I was just loving what God was doing and my fellowship with him was so good and one day I woke up and it was like the sense of God's presence wasn't with me and I began to pray and seek God and nothing nothing and I would study for the word for the next Sunday it was at Shady Grove of course study for the word for the next Sunday and and get a word I at least I thought this would be good enough to preach I'd stand in the pulpit and the anointing of God would be so released in me that I would know it and I would sense his presence. But I'd step out of the pulpit and it was just like, where's God? I went on, this went on for a year. My wife is, is privy to this, of course. She knows. And it went on for years. And I went ahead, I went to my, my prayer closet every day. Sometime more than once a day, I'd go to my prayer closet, have my devotion time, everything else. I'd want to just, Lord, just please talk to me. You know, give me, I'm talking to you. Talk to me. I, let me know something. Touch me. Change me. Do I don't know what it is. You tell me and I'll do it. If one year, I don't, I'm not saying it was to the very day, but almost right at a year. I was in my prayer time, and I, I like to sit on the floor in my in my prayer closet, my prayer place of prayer, and I just went to the floor. Went, I I I, I really don't cuss. I used to a long time ago, before I got saved. But I said, "Dad, gum it, God, I am through with this thing." The very idea, I can't feel your presence. I want to feel your presence. But let me tell you something. You're not getting rid of me. If I never feel your presence again, I am going to walk with you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to lay down my life for you every way I know. But I'm telling you what, you're not getting rid of me because the blood of Jesus was shed for me and shed for my sin. And I love you and I love Jesus. I love everybody. And I'm going to walk no matter what I feel. I remember getting up from that prayer time. I didn't feel one bit different. But I had made a statement. 
And I made a statement to the devil and I made a statement to God and I said, this is it, period. No matter what I go through, no matter how I feel, you're still it. So, <clears throat> about a month after that, I was just driving the car one day and the Spirit of the Lord just, whoo, <laughs> pulled over to the side of the road and just laid my head on the steering wheel, wheel and just wept before God. It's just been good. It's been good. I know what it means to have a bad day. And he was having one. Now, now let's change pictures just a moment. Jesus was on the other side of the lake in chapter 4. He was on the other side of the lake, and they had just gathered at the Mount of Beatitudes. You know, the Mount of Beatitudes is where he shared all the all of the bees and um, bees, bees, and he shared all of those, and and also just shared many many parables while he was over there on the Mount of Beatitudes. Now he only had he would only started the crowd gathered. 5,000 men plus women plus children. Let's say that there's 5 to 5 to 5 to 5, 15 to 20,000 people. Now, anybody would call that a success. We're about to have a revival. This is going on. Jesus, they gathered to him from everywhere. There they are up in the mountains over on the west side of Galilee. And they're just having the best time in the world. And they break for a prayer time. He gets off with his, with his disciples. And he's talking to them, and they're having the discipleship leadership meeting, and all of a sudden he gets up and he says, We gotta go. So do do what? What do you mean, Jesus? We gotta go. We just started. There's fifteen thousand people here. We gotta go. What do you mean? Where are we going? We're going to the other side. That's all he said. We're going to the other side. You mean the other side of the Sea of Galilee? Yeah, the opposite side. That's where we're going. Wow. Uh, okay, so they get in their boat. And they start off. And I think the devil sent a storm. Boy, it was a storm bad enough for the disciples themselves who were fishermen. Most of them in the boat were fishermen. And they had fished for years on that same sea and they knew what a bad sea was, and they were afraid. The boat was beginning to fill with water, and they were afraid, and they went and woke Jesus up. He was sleeping on a pillow or some, some type of cushion. He was sleeping on that in the rear of the boat and didn't wake up until they came and shook him and said, Wake up, Jesus, we're going to perish. And Jesus just got up, and he walked over there, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. It just went down like that. You wonder why Jesus wasn't afraid. I'll tell you why he wasn't afraid. I really believe it. I mean, he just didn't have a spirit of fear in him, of course, but he knew that he was going to the cross one day, and that was his purpose. And he knew that boat wasn't where he was going to die. And he knew something else. He, he was following the will of God. Let me, let me tell you, Jesus never did anything but what he didn't hear and what he didn't see the Father do. He never did a thing. The Father would speak it. The Father would show it to him. And Jesus would get up and he would go. So Jesus, 
surely had something spoken to him. And he said to the disciples, come on, get in the boat with me. We're going to go. We're going to go the other side. So there they are going the other side. The storm blows like this. And guess where they end up? They end up at the cemetery. Huh? Out of that whole shore. If you've been over there, you know what I'm talking about. Out of that whole shoreline around the Sea of Galilee, they finally get the boat landed at the cemetery. Mistake? I don't think so. And here this guy comes. Yeah, running at him like this. And he sees him and he falls down and worships him. This is the demoniac. This is the guy with all of these 3,000 or 6,000 demons in him. He sees Jesus. He runs to him and he falls on his face and he worshiped him. And then Jesus must have at that moment said, Spirit, come out of him. And he said, don't torment me. Don't torment me. Please don't torment me. Who was speaking? It was the demon speaking. It was him speaking. Don't torment us. And he said to them, what is your name? That legion, for we are many. Please, he said, don't. Let us just get cast out. Let us go into the pigs. That's what he said. Let us go into the pigs? Hmm. Yeah. He said, okay, you got permission, go. What would it feel like, look like, seem like? 3,000 demons coming out of a guy. 4,000 demons. Like this. And the hogs are out there going. And all 3,000. Run down the steep place. My wife and I, pastor and his wife, we've been there to that steep place. We've looked at it. And it is very, very imaginable. It's the only one on that side that would really fit the description. And you shoot right down into the ocean, falls off this little cliff, and they all drown in the sea. 3,000 pigs. I know there's a lot of farmers around Texas right now that like to see 3,000 pigs drown in the sea. All the feral hogs running around right now. But they fell in the sea. The herders, I don't, I don't know what you'd call them, tenders? What do you call people that herd hogs? Hoggers? <laughs> I guess I, I don't know. I mean, you've got people who are herders, and you've got people who are ranchers, and you've got people, I don't know. But these, these people, were they were tending to the hogs. They, let's call them tenders, uh, uh, maybe. Anyway, they were tending to the hog. And, and so they run, up to, they run up to the city. They run up to Gadara, all the way to Gadara. They get up there. Ha, 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 oh, you know, whew, we've had sort of a bad day. And he, the owners are standing there and saying, what do you, what do you mean bad day? He said, uh, all of your hogs drowned. <laughs> what? My hogs drowned? What do you mean my hogs drowned? Oh, well, you, well, you, you just got to come and see. All 3,000, oh, they're all dead. They're all, I mean, all 2,000, they're all dead. They're all gone. It was about that number anyway. And he said, they're, they're, they're just gone. He said, there was a guy there. And, and, and you, you know the guy in the cemetery? Yeah, yeah. He said, uh, 
this guy comes and, and with with a gang of guys and they do something and these things leave this guy and he's in his right mind and and the hogs are gone. They're dead. They ran into you don't tell me that hogs ran into the sea and they drowned. And this guy, this de- demon guy, that he's in his right mind? Oh, you got to be kidding me. No, 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 no. He said, you got any idea how, many, how much those hogs cost? Do you, do you have any idea how many Gentiles and how many Jews who eat them when they know they're not supposed to, who are not religious Jews, they love those hogs and that hog meat? He said, 3,000 hogs, that's enough to feed an army. They couldn't just disappear. And they all rushed down there to see what was going on. And they saw what had happened to the hogs. Probably some of them floating bloop, 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 like that. And they saw what, it, what had happened. And they saw the man sitting there clothed and in his right mind. This guy ran around naked all the time. That's bad. And clothed in his right mind. They said, Jesus, you've got to get out of here. We don't know anything about you. All we've done, we've heard some things, but you've killed all of our hogs. And we don't understand what's happened to this guy, and we surely don't understand about demons and everything else. Please leave our country. And you know what he did? He got his band of guys. They got in their little boat. And this... This guy ran up to him. The demon-possessed, had been demon-possessed guy, ran up to him and said, Please, let me go with you. And he said, No, go home and tell everybody what you've seen, what you've experienced. Tell them. Do you know how many times Jesus said that to someone he had worked a miracle on? This is the only time. The rest of the time, Jesus always said, don't tell anybody. And this time, he says to this one guy, you go tell. And they go off in their boat, and I'm sure the guy was standing there just watching them disappear over the horizon on on the Sea of Galilee, headed back over to where? The Mount of Beatitudes. And he goes back over there and everything else we read about the beatitude happened after he got back from dealing with this demoniac. He remembered he left a successful ministry. He left preaching to 20,000, 15 to 20,000 people. He left that simply by a word from God the Father. And he said, what guys, we got to go. We got to go. What do you mean go? You remember, we talked about that. What do you mean go? We're looking at all this, all these people. There's no one that's ever gathered this many people before. Nobody. What do you mean? Well, they go. And what, what does he do? He does the job, turns around and goes back. You know what's interesting about this? That last verse. Chapter 5, the last verse. He went to Decapolis. Now, Decapolis, you think that's a town. No, it's towns. It's ten, deca, deca, ten cities, polis. So he went back, he went to to the ten cities. And uh, uh, Gadara, um, 
I don't know that he preached in every one of them, and, and there's no way really to know. Except there's some evidence historically. But all the way from Damascus down to what is now Amman, Jordan. Amman, Jordan was called Philadelphia at the time, and uh, or near right next to it. They, they're none of them are in the same spot exactly. But Philadelphia and Amman, Jor- Amman, Syria, Amman, Jordan. I mean, Damascus, Syria, Amman, Jordan. And there were ten cities, including those two cities, scattered out through there. And one of them, the, the city is called Pella. That city has been excavated, and they have found the earliest Christian community. The earliest Christian, what we might call church, but they called usually just a Christian community in Pella that has ever been discovered outside of Israel. Do you know why this is important? He goes back, and all of a sudden, Christian groups, communities, and churches begin to spring up in these ten cities. You know where these ten cities are? They're in the mountains across the Jordan, the Moab mountains and these other range of mountains. He goes and he he is the revivalist and missionary to these ten cities. And believers come to the Lord. It is evident by the excavations because of all they find from, from digging things and finding all of these Christian artifact, artifacts and everything. And you know why this is important? Because 40 years later, There are people in Jerusalem who heard the prophecy of Jesus Christ in Matthew 25. That when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, I feel sorry for you who are, who are with child, but y'all pick up everything right that very moment and flee to the mountains. And guess what? Rome came. They encamped around the city. They backed off for about a couple of years until they could get more troops in. And in that couple of years that they backed off from surrounding the city, it is those people, believers who are in Jerusalem, who fled Jerusalem and, and, and went to the mountains just the way Jesus had said to do in His prophecy. And guess what they found waiting for them there? They found communities of believers who could support them. They left with nothing with that, but what they could carry in their hands. They left all of their possessions back there. They had to start all over again. But when they got to those cities, the Decapolis in the mountains, they found believers believers there because this one man had gone and done what Jesus said and the ministry spouted out of a bad day. (laughs) I want to pray for you. Those of you who've been having a bad day. Let's leave out the demon-possessed thing. (laughs) Has anyone got any idea what I did? Oh, there it is. Thank you.
you're having a bad day? Like the man in the, in the cemetery, in the tomb? Lonely? Dejected? Rejected? Hopeless? Without a vision? Without meaning? What am I going to do? Am I relegated to this for the rest of my life? What was this poor man going through? But he felt trapped and he was bound by his circumstances. He was bound by the enemy. Maybe there's some of us here who are just in a place where you're having a bad day. Maybe it is because you're bound to something that you know you shouldn't even be involved in. You know, because it's something that Lord's, the Lord said to you, don't do this. And you've, and you've just continued in it. It could be that. It, it just could be that you're just, you don't know why. You're depressed. You just don't have, seem to have a future. What is it that God has for me? It just seems like I'm hanging out. I'm going to the church building. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm singing. I'm enjoying the singing. Of course, who couldn't? But I'm enjoying the singing. But, but, but I just don't feel anything, God. And I don't even know what you're wanting to do with me. And I'm just saying to you that I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you for one reason. I want to pray for you that you would be healed of these thoughts. They're negative thoughts. They're coming from the enemy. They're not thoughts from God. And you've got to just lay them down and just say that yesterday was yesterday. Today is today. This is a new day that faces me right this very moment. And I want, to, I want to lay those things down and I want to get healed up from what's going on with me so that I can stand until that time when Jesus shows up. Because it might not be right now that Jesus shows up, but it might be right now that we pray for you and you get healed up from some of this stuff that's going on on the inside of your mind and your emotion and you're healed up where you can stand on the Word of God and you can stand until Jesus shows up with His authority and His Word and He speaks something into your heart that gives you an opportunity that goes far beyond anything you can think of and do. You couldn't even make it happen. This man couldn't have made it happen by himself, Ten Cities. But I'm telling you, Jesus loves every one of you as much as he loved that man. That man in the cemetery, he loves every one of you that much. And if he stopped for the right timing to get over there at the right place at the right moment, He'll be waiting until you're at the right place at the right moment, the right timing. And He'll show up. Until then, let's stand with some, let's, with some faith. Let's stand with some belief. Let's stand believing that God is going to show up in my life. And between now and then, He's not getting rid of me. When we think God is doing nothing. He's doing something. I'm going to say it one more time. When we think God's doing nothing, He's doing something. When that demoniac thought, God's doing nothing, guess what? God was doing something. He moved Jesus from the Mount of Beatitudes all the way across through a storm and got there at the right time. I want to pray for you. Those of you who Pastor, is this 
is this appropriate right now to have people to come up? Can, those, those of you, we'll just say a, a, a prayer over you to release you, to bring you to a place where you can get released from any depression or any, any worry or, or hopelessness and whatever the enemy is throwing at you. Negative stuff, negative stuff. I want to just pray with you. Bind that stuff up. So you can stand and faith on the Word of God. Because Jesus is not going to leave you untouched. I'm telling you, He's not going to do it. But He's going to wait till the right time. How many of you know that there are several women in the Bible that call barren that wasn't barren? You know why they weren't barren? God was just waiting for the right time to bring Samson forth, the right time to bring John the Baptist forth, the right time. You may feel barren. Don't give up. There's a time coming. When that happens, you're going to walk through it. What if what you're going through right now is going to break out into opportunities like you've never thought was possible? What if? Would you stand up with me? Those who want prayer, come on down. And and pastor and others, a a prayer team or whatever else, let's just pray over them quickly. And we're going to release this from them, these negative things. So just give you a moment. Come on down. Come on down. Don't be embarrassed. You're in a safe place. It's a safe place. What you're going through right now. You've been worried about it, it, preoccupied with it. God doesn't want you worried. He doesn't want you preoccupied with, with a bad time, a bad place. Come on. I'm going to get you healed up.